0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Today is Friday, February 11th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 447 featuring longtime scribe, good friend of this program, Ian Thompson. Is powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign up bonus. All right. Here we go. New edition of Celtics beat post NBA trade deadline. And what an active fun trade deadline it was folks. Uh, What Whatever will we discuss? There's so much to cover, obviously, not only as it relates to the Boston Celtics and their three trades and all these wonderful trade player exceptions that they've created in the process, but obviously blockbusters around the NBA, most notably in the Eastern Conference between, of course, the Nets and the Sixers. We'll get to all of it here in the next little while. I am Adam Kaufman. We thank you for being with us. Evan Valenti, always part of the program, and uh, back with us for the first time in I don't know, a, a couple months, maybe not even. Ian Thompson, good to
0: see you my friend. Great to see you. How you doing?
2: Well, uh, overwhelmed, I think, uh by by what has gone on. So I'm just going to I'm going to ramble for a second just to I, I know that anyone who pays any attention to the Celtics knows everything I'm going to tell you over the next, you know, minute, but I'm going to do it anyway in case there are any casuals out there. Of course, the C's winners of 6 straight, 8 of 9, 13 and 4 over the last month. They have been scorching hot, albeit against Generally lesser competition, but they have been red, red hot, incredibly connected defensively. They're, they're, they've are they're got the best defense in the entire NBA. They're blowing out bad teams, which is exactly what they should be doing. And it gave us a, a few day break. Few day little window into the trade deadline before picking up action as we sit here tonight against the Nuggets. And of course, Nick Jokic, the Joker. We'll see what comes to be. We'll see who's available for that game. But it gave Brad Stevens and company, the rest of that front office, Mike Zaren, Austin Age, everybody a little bit of time to say, all right, what do we have here? Do we be buyers? Do we be sellers? This is sustainable. What do we need to do? How do we build for now? How do we build for the future and so on? Well, what they did. They went out and they made three trades. And just to give you the, I'm not going to go trade by trade, but the overall crux of what they did uh in our Derek White from San Antonio Daniel Tice is back from Houston a future second round pick they got under the luxury tax they created five open roster spots five open roster spots which of course a couple at least one anyway has been filled by uh Sam Hauser who's technically on a two-way deal he's expected to get converted into a regular deal for the rest of the season so that'll be another spot and then another Luke Cornett is up from the main Celtics so that leaves three spots available maybe Denzel Valentine Maybe guys from the buyout market, maybe a, a DeAndre Bembry will see what obviously ends up happening in the, in the days, weeks and months to come. Gone, however, Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, mercilessly, uh, Romeo Langford, they've, they've given up the cause. Uh, Ennis Cantor Freedom is taking his show elsewhere. And then, uh, we hardly knew ye of former Denver Nuggets, uh, there was, uh, PJ Dozier, Bull Bull, also Bruno Fernando is gone as well, uh, a 2022 first round pick for the Seas. So they only had a second rounder in the upcoming draft as things stand now, a future second rounder, cash, and of course the, uh, 2028 pick swap with San Antonio. So that's all the in, all the out, notably because we joke about it all the time, but it's, it's true. According to Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe, Seas have, uh, they, they used, they roughly $10 million trade exemption that was, uh, created by the Tristan Thompson deal to acquire Daniel Tice that was set to expire this year and, uh, created five new exceptions, five new TPEs. Get the custom TPE 99 jerseys on the Celtics website. Uh, Schroeder for six million, four others worth, uh, two and a half million or less. And of course they still have Evan Fournier's $17 million, uh, trade exception to use this summer. So, uh, the guards right now, just to to tell you what the roster looks like. The guards, Marcus Smart, Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, the Fords, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Grant Williams, Aaron Neesmith, and uh, and now Sam Hauser, who's back. And the bigs, Robert Williams, Al Horford, Daniel Tice, and Luke Cornett. Again, three open roster spots. So, Ian, we begin with you. Uh, we'll give our opinions after you. The biggest question that we should be asking ourselves is, are the Celtics a better team
0: right now than they were right before the trade deadline? They, they should be better. They definitely should be better. And honestly, we don't, we still don't know how good they are. They've been, they've, they've had seven different personalities this season. And lately, as you pointed out Adam, they've been cleaning up as they should, but just about every opponent has been either bad or depleted. So, the good news on that is, you know, they have not been playing down to the level of their opponent, which was their identity before. Mm-hmm. Are they going to play up? Are they, how are they going to do in this stretch now of Atlanta and Philly and some of Denver? I think some of the teams that, that are coming up, they're really going to be challenges. Um, I think they're going to be good because they've been doing it with defense. They're, they're already strong with defense and they added one of the best backcourt defenders in the league, a guy that's from the Popovich school of guarding your guy and sharing the ball. Um, and a guy that has something to prove. He's still, he's just entering his peak years and he, he lost control of the ball to the Murray as he should have. Um, but now he's coming to a coach that really knows him and it's going to hasten the integration. And there's a need for him, especially if he comes off the bench, which I'm, thinking he will to uh, run that second unit. Um, and he's part of a team on the rise that's suddenly finding his footing. And, and uh, the vibe is going to be a lot better for him coming in. than it would have been a month ago. Um, I just look at all of it and then adding Daniel Tice, who already knows what it's about uh, mm-hmm. fits in very well with, with his skills, especially his ability to go out to the three point line, the way Al Horford does. So um, in the bottom line of this in my opinion you know do they have as much star power as some of these other teams they don't but if they're playing defense going into the playoffs and they just added two guys that that are going to add to that um playing that high level defense gives you a chance in every series and allows you to uh, maybe make up for the deficiency in firepower and star power and it gives them an identity, which the people of Boston have been craving for because everybody hates this team until the last couple of weeks. So <laughs> if they're playing defense and they're, they're bringing back memories of, you know, the Celtics when they've been great and they've stood for something and you knew who they were and you could trust them, then you put all that together and this trade makes them better. There's These no question
2: streets. that uh, the that the guys that of all the guys to come in, all the guys to go out that I rattled off before Derek white is the best player. The Celtics got the best player here of, of again, what they had to give up, what they, and, and there's, you know, to some degree they, I'm not going to say they drastically overpaid for him, but you know, I do appreciate Brad Stevens identified a guy that he wanted uh and, or, or whoever around him wanted as well. And he went out and he paid the price. You know, there was none of the, like it's it's the running joke annually with with Danny Ainge when he was the president of basketball operations is while well, there were a lot of things out there and you know we came close on a lot of things and didn't quite happen there was none of that Brad Stevens made three deals he had goals in mind obviously get rid of Dennis Schroeder get under the luxury tax and and remodel your bench basically and they did that in the in the form of of guys that you know are are going to be around at least you know barring trades in the off season they're they're under term for. A good little while. Derek White has another three and a half years on his contract. Daniel Tice has multiple years left on his contract. You know, they're, they're, we'll, we'll talk about salary matching and things like that in a little bit. They've acquired, I think, some good tradable contracts as it relates to being able to be active in the offseason. You mentioned his familiarity, obviously, with head coach Ime Odoka. Played, uh, under him. I know he was an assistant in San Antonio under Greg Popovich, but played under Udoka, worked with Udoka for a couple of years there. His first couple of years in the league, Will Hardy, who obviously is an assistant on the Celtic staff now was in San Antonio prior. So he worked with him for, for four years there. There's, uh, you know, the, the chemistry having played with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart in 2019 at the, uh, the FIBA select camp. So uh, there's, there's certainly a fit. Brad Stevens earlier today talked about the uh, all the different reasons that that he wanted to bring him in as a high character guy makes all the right decisions offensively with the ball uh, or without the ball for that matter an excellent defender like you said he's one of the better on but uh, you know backcourt defenders in in the entire nba how important from a chemistry standpoint the familiarity with all those guys that i already mentioned how much did that factor in do you think to this acquisition
0: oh everything I mean, if they want to be the East Coast Spurs, right, and we know how big of fan Brad is and um, um how they feel about Popovich and uh, Udoka is from that school and um was clearly trying to emphasize defense and ball sharing the whole time. And most of the time it was just driving everybody crazy watching it not happen until they got all the key players on the court together to do it. I think chemistry means everything to this and you know it's an important deal because of all they gave up I mean this idea of swapping picks years down the road Mm -hmm. that could be a Brooklyn Nets kind of thing come to backfire on the Celtics you know for all we know no there's no way to predict what the circumstances are going to be like at that time um so I, I really come away from this thinking about a rookie uh GM if that's what Brad's title is, president, whatever it is, but he's GM. Um, having goals going into a trading deadline. And as you point out, Adam, we've seen how difficult the trading deadline can be for a guy like Danny Ainge to navigate and for him to pull it all off. And basically we can look at this and say that this really makes sense. This, this, especially this move for Derek White, it really makes sense. The move for Daniel Tice, it makes sense. And and to manage the the financial implications of it, and and to get rid of pieces that weren't really helping them. I mean, Dennis Schroeder wasn't helping them on the court, and and this Cantor Freedom was hurting them off the court. uh, You know, as far as their revenues. In in, in on and on the
1: court, let's get to this.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, for what little bit he was doing for them on the court, but. I mean, the NBA is selling its soul to to do business in China. And so I. good luck to Ennis being picked up by another team uh in future for, for staying up for what he believes in, you know. But when you put all of that together, you put all of it together, and the guy that's in his first year on the job pulled it off. So congratulations to him. Did he give up more than Danny would have given up? Probably. Would Danny have given up so much for Derek White? I don't probably think not. the deal would have happened, to be honest. probably not. And also, you know, both guys that are running the Celtics right now, they have huge deference to Greg Popovich. I mean, they just uh, – so, so that, that was a great negotiation for him. But I'm not standing here right now and saying that the Celtics got robbed because they have this window. And it looked for much of this year like they were blowing it, where they have to convince these two young guys over the next couple of years that this is where they want to be for the rest of their careers and there's growing something and it's going to lead to something uh, and to get them to believe in it. And so to, to make trades like this, especially the Derek White one that might contribute to that, and and keep the momentum going and, and get them to really believe, especially Jason Tatum, that Boston is the place. And don't listen to all your fellow NBA stars trying to recruit you elsewhere. You try to recruit them here. To get all that trying to go get going, that's, that's a huge thing right now. And so if you had to overpay a little bit to contribute to that plan, then so be it.
2: I just want to mention, because we haven't and, and should, that uh, Josh Richardson, within his role of how the Celtics used him, what they wanted from him, you know, especially coming off the the down year that he did last year before he was a Celtic. He was excellent. He was excellent. He's not a guy yeah. that, you know, you necessarily wanted to part with far from untouchable. Don't get me wrong. You know, he's obviously a guy you were willing to part with, but it was all right. What are we going to get in in return? And obviously they got a superior player. There's no question Derek White is a superior player to to Josh Richardson, but Josh Richardson was having a very, very good year defensively, yeah. his fit, popularity in the room, on the floor, shooting, obviously, you know, and I think Derek White is going to find success turning his luck around in terms of how he shot the ball. Once he's playing with a couple of guys like Tatum and Brown as well, and, you know, he'll find some of that similar success to to what White uh, or, or what Richardson did, but just uh, we, we don't have the time, but we, we could go on and on appreciating what Josh Richardson did in his very limited time in, in, Put, helping to put this team you know where it is among the 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 top in the league defensively he had a real role in that and uh and and so it'll be interesting obviously to see how uh specifically he is replaced uh you know uh, because obviously he's um he's a wing versus white being a guard and and so it you know obviously white steps in more so for Schroeder he's going to have some different defensive responsibilities to replicate that of Richardson Aaron Neesmith's a guy who's going to get an opportunity but I wanted to put all that out there Evan same thing I initially asked uh asked of Ian are do you especially now that you've been in the lab all night studying all things Derek White are the Celtics better today than they were at the uh you know going into the trade deadline I
1: think they've they've as Ian said earlier they've kind of lean into their identity a little bit more you know I think they decided that you know we really again ball movement and defense is really going to be our calling card it's really shown it's true colors the past couple of weeks it's been wonderful to watch but think about the two guys that the two of the three guys they got rid of in terms of how that helps them lean more into that uh, getting rid of Dennis Schroeder who you know, I, I had gone to the table four and be to the table for throughout the year for certain reasons, but there was an obvious fit problem with him and smart on the floor at the same time. E-May got away from that a little bit more towards the end of it. Um, but th- it was a cl- It wasn't a stylistic fit as easy as Derek White will be, I think, as when, when we finally get to see him, you know, catch up to speed and, 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 and you know, go uh, rolling with his team. I think, you know, Schroeder, not the, the best defender. I can guard guards okay but Derek White's a much more switchable defender that can guard up a lot easier than Dennis Schroeder can, moves the ball better than Jenna Schroeder can. And when you have, you know, two guys in Jalen and Jason, who, you know, they're going to do the primary of your scoring. You don't really need another, a, a huge score. You need somebody that can score when the shot clock's down, but keep it moving and keep the process moving and keep the, you know keep the the ball moving as much as they can to find a better shot, which has been really great over the past couple of weeks. So I think they upgrade there. The canter thing—you're going from a guy that wasn't playing in Enis Canter or Enos Freedom until the end of the game to a guy that Tice who can come off the bench and actually give you good minutes as a backup center. Um, and you will not have to worry about him in pick and roll coverages at all. He'll he'll be a guy that can actually you know close the gap on a shooter or at least stay with guys when they drive. So that's going to be very valuable there. The Richardson piece, yes, that's that's unfortunate, but. You know, and, and Richardson, you know, they were comfortable, according to reports, of if when they traded Schroeder, they give Richardson the keys to be more of a point guard. Um, you know, may had talked before the season about getting Richardson more on the ball in terms of their offense and, and giving him the keys to the car, so to speak, at, at certain times. Well, you're going to have an easier time doing that with Derek White cause Derek White's an actual point guard. Um, they they've upgraded, I think, a little bit, but what they did was lean more into their identity, which is defense. And if they're going to win games, they're going to win with their defense. And they and they clearly upgraded their um, at at least two spots. Now again, they're down a wing defender. We'll see with the buyout market, see what that brings, and see what Boston does to fin- finish out the roster. But I love I love the defense. The defense the past couple of games has been just hilarious to watch. I mean, I went back and looked at it. I believe the Celtics have had, held four of their past five opponents, regardless of whoever's playing and how banged up they are, or how depleted they are. Boston has held, I believe, for the last five opponents before the Denver game tonight to under 40% shooting from the field, which is a really remarkable number considering at the end of games when they're up 20 and 25, they're playing their bench, and the defense isn't nearly as good. So if you let their starting unit and their eight-man rotation play the entire game, that number would be closer to 35% than it would be to 40. So they get two guys that can defend. Um, they can space the floor a little bit, but the defense is the big thing, the ball movement's the big thing, and they lean more into that, which I love. Are they gonna, you know, are they gonna be a, a team that contends for the title? We'll see. We'll see how the chemistry mixes together because, you know, that's a big deal at this point. And the fact that they have familiarity with these guys is big. Um, but I, I'm not expecting a title this year. I'm not. And I'm really curious as in the offseason now with some of these contracts. But from a talent perspective, right now, they are either just as good or slightly better. But they lean in their identity a little bit more, which I think will make them better just in the aggregate.
2: Well, and just tremendous switchability everywhere as well, which obviously you didn't necessarily have before. A quick break to tell you about our friends over at uh, betonline.ag. The big game, of course, finally here, a couple days away. As we sit here now, Sunday, Bengals, Rams, Los Angeles. Should be a lot of fun. Last game of the football season. Bet online has you covered, of course, from odds and scores and totals, player performance props to where, you know, will there be another coach fired? Probably not at this stage unless Bruce Arians retires or something like that. Uh, but bet online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. It's not just football either. You have obviously basketball, like we're talking about hockey, boxing, UFC, NASCAR golf you name it best coverage best in the business over at bet online from sports to your favorite vegas casino games bet online number one wagering destination for you head to bet online today use your mobile device sign up today receive a 50 percent welcome bonus use the promo code clns 50 to get you started you get that welcome bonus on your first deposit fastest easiest way to wager on all sports play your favorite games bet online where the game starts ian i want to pick up with uh Something Evan was just talking about, something he and i uh, pre show were talking a lot about, and uh, you know some some people have been writing about this as well, in terms of what is the best ideally if you 're Brad Stevens, how are you looking to build out this roster because we 've seen multiple teams do it different ways, obviously, and you know you know you 've got your your what we believe to be the core of, of Tatum and Brown smart Williams white seemingly is going to be part of that as well, at least you hope. And, uh, you know, how much are we going to see kind of a, uh, a a shift in terms of do we do we add more like the the whites, the Tices of the world, some of the other guys, smart Williams, more of the high leverage guys, you know, really, really solid within their own roles to build around your stars. Versus, again, like we've been talking about for years, going out and getting the third star. I think one thing that, that Brad and company did, which is, is very valuable. You look at these future salaries in, in terms of offseason matching. Uh, again, you've got the, the trade player exceptions and, and the different rules that those come with. But beyond that, Al Horford obviously is going to be a, a movable contract in the offseason. Uh, Derek White, if, if you're ultimately making a choice between Derek White and Marcus Smart and not both, uh, they're both making right around 16, 17 million dollars next year. Tice is almost nine million dollars. It's a movable deal. Uh, Robert Williams, I know nobody wants to move him, but he's right around 11 million dollars. Um, you know, you could look at obviously sub five for Neesmith, Pritchard, and, and Grant Williams as well. But this is something they haven't really, it, what I'm boiling down to is this is something they haven't really had a lot of in in recent years in terms of having a whole bunch of contracts that are kind of in that that mid-salary range you know it, it it's not the you know for a while it was you got guys making 30 plus million you got guys making less than 10 you know now they've got a bunch of guys that are in the teens that are around 20 you know deals that that they could look to move easily match and trying to bring in a, uh, a, a another bona fide superstar this offseason if they elect to go that route. So uh, you know, what, what did you think of just strategically setting yourself up? How Brad and and and, and the rest of that front office has
0: done here and what the plan might be? You know, I mean, I I think they're in much better shape now than we ever would have predicted months ago, the, and the, there would be more cause for optimism now than we than they ever gave anybody reason to have um, until the last few weeks. But as far as trading for a third star, when you look at most of these trades, if you're not trading a star, then I think you have to have draft picks to try to pull that off. You have to offer – because the team, most of the time, trading the stars look is in some kind of rebuilding phase. Or else they're, they're trading a star wanting to get back a star. Um, but uh, as, as Philly was when they traded Simmons for Harden, but if you don't have that package of draft picks, I just don't think it's realistic for you to be thinking you could take Marcus Smart and Al Horford or whatever you package those guys together. And where's that going to put the team giving up the stars? That going to help them rebuild after they've given up their best, one of their best players. It won't. And will it will it help them uh, perform as well uh, because they're getting, you know, the team that wins the trade is the team that gets the best players. So that doesn't help them either. So I I, I don't know that they're in that great a position to go out and get it. I, I was kind of, um, for their sake, I thought it was good that they held on to Aaron Neesmith because I know he's had trouble getting on the court and he's had trouble adapting to the new system. But the guy's a shooter who defends and he's got, you know, a bit of athleticism to him and the size on the perimeter. And so if there's a guy with upside now to develop, it's him to me. And, um, if they, you know, all things, uh, being equal, it's better for them that they gave up Romeo Langford than it is Aaron Neesmith. Um, the other, the other question for me going forward after getting Derek White is, does he start does he displace this lineup that's looking so good or do you bring him off the bench and i'm i'm very much in favor of them bringing him off the bench and having a second unit of leadership and giving this Mm -hmm. is a guy this is a guy that saw must have seen himself as the future point guard of the spurs and and lost that role uh was still handling the ball a lot had a lot of assists this year uh as the secondary ball handler but let him come in and have some moments of leadership with a second unit and give yourself 48 full minutes now where you, you don't expect to drop off, but where you actually have a second commander there. And then he finishes the game, you know, depending on lineups and everything, but he's out there on at the end of the game when it really matters and coming from the Spurs system, if there's a guy coming in that's going to be willing to come off the bench, you would think would be him. So um I just like that idea of them having, a rotation now that's kind of blended throughout, you know, when, when Hayward first came to the Celtics and when he was on the, when he was able to play with them, he really was more of a facilitator, more of kind mm-hmm. of what we're expecting Derek White to be right. Um, a guy that can score, but also blends everybody together a little bit like what Al Horford brings. And so to add another guy like that, a poor man's Hayward. I mean, very poor. He's not as tall. He's not an all-star. You know, he doesn't score that level or anything like, but, but uh, bring those qualities to the team, I think is really, really valuable.
2: I know you got to get out of here soon, but uh, can't let you do that, obviously without getting your, your thoughts on, on the biggest move of the day that didn't uh, directly involve the Celtics. And, impacted the Celtics but didn't involve the Celtics and that is of course the blockbuster between the Nets and the Sixers which multiple players draft picks all of that were involved but at their core it was James Harden for Ben Simmons you know which is uh you know I, I think really it's it's a it's a win for both teams it's a win for fans it's a win for those two guys it's a win for you know sulking superstars who get whatever they want in this league all the time uh you know what, what was your I, I I don't think there was any surprise when it went down other than maybe no. just the fact that it actually went down, but the rumors were there long enough, uh, you know, all season long, really. So the fact that it happened, what this does for these two teams, um, you know, whether you think that one versus the other has a better chance of winning a championship. Now, what was the big takeaway?
0: Well, Philly has the better chance of winning the championship because they already have one of the best players in the league and Joel Embiid and Harden was playing very badly if he was playing at all uh, in recent weeks for Brooklyn. But that's also what he was doing for Houston, and no sooner did he get to Brooklyn than all of a sudden people are saying, boy, this guy's an MVP. So I would think James Harden, who does not rely on great athleticism to score and has never been a great defender anyway, he should be able to get back to the way he was playing last year with Brooklyn and doing it for Philly and really giving and be the best complimentary player he's ever had with them uh so uh i i think that's a a tremendous trade for daryl Morey, uh who heard for months that he was ridiculous for holding out he was never going to be able to turn ben simmons into a star and he's turned him into an mvp who's who still has something to prove i mean harden was the one guy in brooklyn hadn't won a championship and it's clearly helped drive him out he's he felt clearly he felt that they weren't going to be able to win with durant Always being injured and Kyrie never being able to play at home. Uh, and who knows how long, much longer Kyrie's going to be an NBA player if he's going to retire all of a sudden. I mean, nothing, nothing's out of the question for him. So I understand Harden wanting to get out of there and try to win a championship because that's what he needs to get himself out of this rut. He's got a terrible reputation for underperforming in the playoffs and the big playoff games. And now he's going. With a guy, uh, who's going to be bucking him up that way. And, um, so we'll see how that goes in Philly. I really, really hope we get to see a Philly Brooklyn playoff series, which is, would just be unbelievable. It'd be, it'd be so much better for me than the Shaq Kobe rematches that, that used to happen every once in a while. This would be a real thing in the same conference, you know, um, and then for, for, uh, for Brooklyn, it's an upgrade because if you have a guy that's underperforming, doesn't want to play, and you add somebody as broken as Ben Simmons might, might have appeared to be, he's going to be very hungry to prove himself. And Kevin Durant is a great teammate on the court. Uh, and Kyrie's not so bad on the court. And <laughs> I, I think playing with those two guys, um, and they're going to look at his deficiencies and be happy to have them. He doesn't need the ball. He doesn't want to take the big shot great more for us and we're the two we're arguably two in the best league at it or the two best in the league at that doing that so for him for them to get an old breaking down team to get energy and defense and versatility gets get, get a spark uh there's no way of predicting how it's going to go but it's an upgrade for them and when you look at the east right now i think i think there are eight or nine teams i mean atlanta is right now 10th but rising, all these teams are saying to themselves, let's give ourselves a chance. Let's be playing good basketball going into the playoffs because no one knows as fragile as the NBA is right now. No one knows what the opponent's going to look like. You don't know about COVID. You don't know about injuries. I mean, guys that used to play sprained ankles that players used to play through are now two to three week injuries in the NBA. And you just don't know. You don't know what you're going to be going up against. And there are all these teams that that have talent. Toronto has a lot of talent, young talent, unproven talent for the most part, but a lot of talent. So they're all looking – and the Celtics are in this group. They're all looking at the playoffs and saying, you know, doesn't matter where our seed is, if we're playing well, if we're healthy – The other team might just fall apart right in front of us and there might be openings here for us that we never would have expected in any other year. So I really think even a team like Brooklyn as beat up as they look, as defeated Mm. as they look, they get Durant back and Ben Simmons is playing better. They're going to be thinking to themselves, nobody can beat us. Well, we
2: two things, two things real quick. One, the Celtics odds, you know, bet online or wherever you look, uh, it, championship odds improved improved dramatically with, with their movement yesterday. So a lot of people, I'm not saying they're favorites by any stretch, but their odds, the odds makers gave them a sizable shift. The other thing you were just talking about this, obviously, but I don't as a fan, as a, as a, as a basketball fan, I I get wanting, you know, th- this playoff matchup, you know, they're like, of course you want Sixers and Nets and, and let's see this shake out over a seven game series. But I tell you what, as a Celtics fan who doesn't want either of those teams to even have a chance of winning a title, it is not out of the realm. In fact, it's, it's not even all that unlikely for, you know, the Nets right now are two and a half games out of a playoff spot. They're, you know, we're down to what, 25, 27 games left in the regular season for Brooklyn. Like you said, Kyrie Irving, who knows when he's available? I mean, he barely plays. Kevin Durant, don't know when he's going to come back. Ben Simmons, he's, he's not remotely in basketball shape. He can't be, at least not game shape. And then the whole chemistry element of seeing what it looks like with those guys on the floor, like Brooklyn could really miss the playoffs you know, they, I mean, they may not get out of the play in tournament. They not may not make the play in tournament. The, the, you know, they may not have enough time to put this together. And there's a part of me that as much as that playoff series would be fun. I'd actually rather see them fall short.
1: No, dude, the the, the ratings for like the one, eight matchup. I don't care about the ratings. That
2: doesn't impact my life.
1: I would be, I am so excited for that possibility. I'm, I'm, All for it. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm praying to the basketball gods that it happens because it's going to be a bloodbath for how many games it's going to be. It's going to be incredible. Uh, the vitriol on Twitter is going to be as toxic as ever. It's going to be incredible. I'm, 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 I'm I'm hopeful for it. I, I would. Irving
2: playing in two or three games. Well, you
1: have all the road games, and that's there are more road games than home games with the Nets at that point. So let's let's (laughs) buckle up and rock and roll. I'm I'm way into the fact that the the Nets are actually tanking on purpose so that they can play more games on the road because they need Kyrie more often than not. So I'm 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 all into that. I'm way into this particular strategy or conspiracy theory, or if you want to call it, and the fact that it could line up. Those two teams meet in the first round. You can't ask for any better content than that. You can't. It's not possible. It'd be literally incredible. I would watch every game. It'd be appointment television every night. It'd be awesome.
2: We'll keep wrapping for a minute or two here, but Ian, we'll let you jump out. We greatly appreciate you hopping on with us as always. We'll uh, we'll great, Ian Thompson. See you in
0: future appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. A lot of fun,
2: Ian. All right. As always, Ian Thompson, you can uh, always, I mean, check him out on Twitter, obviously check him out whenever he's with us here on this show. He's always a great pleasure. And uh, we appreciate him being on with us as always. So uh, Ev, the the Celtics here, of course, they play against Denver tonight. Uh, This, this, as, as we sit here right now, it's the next game Joker. And uh, after that, uh, let's see, what what do we got for the upcoming schedule here for the season? Again, six games season, I six game, uh, winning streak and six games over 500. You got uh, Sunday afternoon before the Super Bowl against Atlanta in Philadelphia. I assume James Harden will be healthy and ready to go for that one. Uh, and then, of course, uh, into next week, a game with Detroit. That's the next handful. And then Brooklyn, by the way, in Brooklyn. So no Kyrie Irving for that one on Thursday, the 24th. I'm sure you checked out, by the way, the uh, the LeBron and, and Durant picking their all-star teams and just that chess match for uh, – For LeBron. That
1: was high quality television. And I just, I
2: I loved, like, you knew what LeBron was doing.
1: Good on everybody. LeBron was
2: doing going in. Like he said, like, he, he had to have said to himself, I'm not picking James Harden. I'm going to make him pick James Harden. And it goes all the way to the very end. And God bless Kevin Durant. I've never liked Kevin Durant more than him with a straight face rationalizing meeting size in to pick Rudy Gobert over James Harden. It, and and then of course, like insert Charles Barkley perfectly to just, you know, amp that thing up to the next level. It was unbelievable.
1: Not the first time that's happened. It won't be the last time that's happened where somebody doesn't pick somebody they're supposed to pick uh, yeah. like first or second. And they just <laughs> let it go all the way to the end. LeBron leaned all the way into it. He was dying. I mean, it was, I, everybody, it was a great TV moment, man. And, yeah. And good on you know I mean Durant obviously was laughing about it and, and can't avoid the ginormous elephant in the room that was James Harden still being on the list mm-hmm. and it was just it made for great television but uh, you know I, I didn't get to see that's the only clip I got to see from it I was curious what Ta- what uh, Durant said about Tatum just when they picked him because I know he's on team
2: Durant yeah that that I didn't catch I only saw right. some of the clips uh, I, the, the only the only that went viral
1: was that one clip so that's great but. uh you know, this, this team right now, you know, playing the way they're playing and they've, they really found their identity Become you know, started January really. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, and they're really playing well. And actually, you know, it makes me kind of bummed out that the all-star break is is now because they're playing so well. They're on such a great role. You don't want to mess up that momentum, but at the same time, these guys need rest. Tatum especially needs rest. Uh, considering how much basketball he's played over the past two years. Um, but uh I love the way this team's playing. It's it's just a much more cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. And what they did during the deadline like, is, is make their team more cohesive. Um, and, like, we didn't talk about this at all with Ian because Ian gave us, uh, you know, the, the amount of time that he could, and we were very grateful for all of that. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just looked into Derek White just real quick. Again, I watched what I could and, you know, looked up some things and read some things. I found this very interesting that, you know, Derek White, we always talk about how great Derek White is defensively. And I don't think we actually acknowledge how good he is defensively. So I went and found this Derek White throughout his uh, tenure this year on the Spurs was second on the team in blocks, which is outrageous, 42 and steals with 49. Those numbers should be good for third on the Celtics, who block literally everything. Like, I don't know if people understand, like Rob Williams is ridiculous. He has 99 blocks this year. Horford with 61 is in second. Derek White at six foot four would be third in the list, which is pretty unbelievable. Um, steals wise, the one thing that Boston does really well is as soon as the ball gets in the paint, they collapse on that particular ball handler and they, they just pick a lot of pockets that way and make life very difficult. People on the inside, Derek White's going to be great at that too. He's great at stealing the basketball. This is, you know, again, it's not a superstar move. Um, it does give me a little question mark as we talked about earlier. As a potential Marcus Smart move to get Bradley Beal, you can then, you know, slide in Derek White to that spot and, right. and, you know, not get the same production, but get something very similar. Um, but this team is, is really fun. The identity and, and Derek White's going to fit this to a T and it's really a perfect fit, much better than Schroeder. And as much as I enjoyed watching Schroeder from time to time, this is just a way better, way better move. And I, I think it's interesting that Brad is currently getting all the credit for something that I think Mike Saren had a lot to do with. I feel like Zarin is the guy pulling the strings behind a lot of this. And I have no evidence to back that up on the fact that there are five new TPEs as we sit here this afternoon uh, <laughs> yeah. that they didn't have prior. And it just seems to be like a Mike Zarin sort of thing, which I actually like. But I yeah. I think trade-wise, Boston did as well as they possibly could. Sans trading for a superstar, traded for uh, the perfect role player for them, who is well-respected in the league and well-respected by San Antonio. I just have questions about how it came about. I, did, did Pop seek them out? Did Imei go to Brad? Did Brad, you know, in his ridiculous basketball mind, pull that out? I mean, I, I just want to know how it all came together. That's all. I'm very curious about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously he said he's, he's been watching him for a while, but uh, who knows? A, a, a good stat for, for all the Derek White stands out there, our, our buddy Landman, good friend of this program and and good friend in real life, um, he tweeted out after the trade yesterday, for what it's worth, per stats over at dunksandthrees.com, I know there are a bunch of these stats cleaning the glass and so on. dunksandthrees.com Derek White has been the third best defensive player in the NBA this year and also has had far more of a positive impact on offense than Schroeder and Richardson combined. So, uh, should be interesting. I, you know, we don't know as look, this, this very comment could be wildly outdated by the time this show goes public, but. We don't know as we sit here right now if Derek White or Daniel Tice or both will be available for tonight's game against the Nuggets. It depends, obviously, on physicals and all that stuff that needs to go down to, you know, truly finalize the trades. But um, if they're out there, like, I, I guess what I'm saying is this. Either way, whether they do play and they're new, it's their first game, not so much for Tice, but for White. Or they don't play and they're just unavailable and it's that much shorter a bench. It's a shame. It's unavoidable, but it's a shame that it's like it's been crap team, crap team, crap team. That the Celtics are just you know beating the tar off of, and they finally get a really good challenge tonight in the Nuggets and Joker. And I don't think this game is really going to indicate anything. You well, know, it could be just
1: game. like the Suns game where the Caesar under man to beat the brakes off the Suns. <laughs> right.
2: I mean, that's the thing. Like, even if the Celtics go out and win this game, and hopefully they do, obviously, but even if they go out and win this game, it's still not really going to tell you all that much because we got to see how Derek white fits into all this. And, and based on what you've read, what you've heard, what you've seen, he should fit in seamlessly. It should be a, it should be an amazing fit, but we don't like, of of all the things that people could be critical of with this trade, whether you believe it's an overpay or whether you, whatever, no one's going to say Derek white's not going to fit this group. Derek white is going to fit this group incredibly well. I just don't think in the very short term, the very short term of tonight, we're going to learn a whole hell of a lot. But I'm really, (coughs) excuse me, really looking forward to, you know, we got the four games before the all-star break. Obviously we'll see these guys some, but after the all-star break, really looking forward to what the stretch run of the season looks like with these guys. And, and obviously, like we talked about, you know, very, very briefly what uh, additions, you know, are are made from the buyout market and filling out some of these roster spots should be interesting though. Should be a lot of fun.
1: Are you mad about the picks? How many they gave up?
2: Uh, I mean, I'm not
1: mad. It's uh, you know, it's, it's game just games.
2: after after all the you know I, I think I said this off the top of the show, but all the after all the years of 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 real or perceived pick hoarding in Boston, and then you know using those picks on guys who generally have not panned out here because they either weren't good enough or they were underdeveloped or you know poured like it's you know it, I, I know it hurts people obviously to see. You know, like the, the Desmond Bain situation or the Matisse Thibel situation or the, you know, the like Garrison I Matthews actually, situation or like some of these guys. But you know, there have been a, there have been a lot of Shemi Ogilays who, and, and he was fine, but like Shemi Ogilays and Gershon Yabaselli's and Carson Edwards and, you know, like, Romeo Langford, who's gone. And like you, there have been a lot more of those guys, obviously, than, than guys that have worked out be like it Grant. here or elsewhere. So. Um, you know, ultimately like the, the 2028 pick swap scares me a little bit, but uh, I think that, you know, it's, uh, I I guess that the, the best way I can say it is if we are lamenting a 2028 pick swap situation, you know, when that time rolls around a few years, handful of years, then to me, things have gone Far worse it than goes. than you know. Ultimately, just that pick swap. You know yep. what I mean? That's that's why sense. I don't
1: care about it because if because if that ends up mattering in twenty twenty eight, then you you right. up way more than just that. So like but, if that
2: like that I mean that pick should be in the twenties if things are going well. Exactly,
1: and, and if it's you not, and, it because you know, yeah, unless, right. let's, and let's say not, you've got a bigger matter. problem. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so. If they if they switch with you. Um, it's just because either they are doing really well and better than they expect at that particular time, or the Celtics are in a real, really, really, really tough spot. Again, right. the Brooklyn trade obviously is one that rings you know, very true if you're a Boston Celtics fan or if you're in the front office in terms of something to keep in mind. But I have absolutely no problem with picks that were attached to this because as we've seen with Boston, and we've seen with Brad, Picks these young players, especially on a team like this, like don't really. You know, it would be nice to hit on some of those, but they almost have too many young players. They need to right. find ways right. to get like actual vets in there. So some of these aren't even useful. You know, if it ends up things, well, I, I do like
2: that they're you know, the that Brad is by dealing Richardson bringing in White, he's forcing Eme's hand to to give Aaron Neesmith a little bit of run. Let's please, see if, what we've got here in this please guy.
1: play. Pritchard and 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 please play Neesmith in a lineup that that actually. You know, isn't a garbage, garbage time lineup, and that actually matters. Put him out yeah. there with Tatum, Brown, you know, uh, Allen and and, uh, and and Rob or are, are, are smart, and like let him play with people that actually know how to play basketball. And just mm-hmm. don't don't put him out there with like Neesmith, Smith, Romeo, Cantor, and and like Richardson. Like that was the other night. I was like,
0: well, like this isn't
1: do anything for Aaron Neesmith's confidence. Like. He's just playing out there with scrubs and jacking up shots because he hasn't shot the ball in a meaningful situation in about a month and a half, and he has to get some sort of run in. So, like, that's my I, – again, I hope that this forces the issue a little bit. Um, but I, I am so over the moon in this trade. And and just, you know, a guy here in white that can penetrate, get into the paint, can has a nice little floater game, in-between game, uh, very confident passing on the inside, you know, dumping it off or a pocket pass to a big guy rolling or a guy in the dunker spot. Uh, very, very curious what Derek White, Rob Williams looks like. That should be wonderful. Um, you know, I think this is exactly what they needed. It's a guy that's very, very, very talented and I think very underrated. Um, and getting it from the Spurs tree is just a really smart idea, to be honest with you. But couldn't be happier about this. This is great
2: once again this show brought to you by betonline.ag we appreciate you if you're uh if you're even still listening maybe you just turned it off once uh once Ian left but thanks to Ian Thompson for hopping on with us we'll do it again next week and by that time have an idea what Derek White looks like in a Celtics uniform should be a good time uh thanks again for tuning in uh rate review subscribe all that good stuff iTunes wherever you're finding us and uh for Evan for Ian I'm Adam we'll catch you again soon let's see if the C's can make it seven in a row bye-bye